Happy October, everyone. Welcome to News and Brew Sports Biz, our podcast series that advocates for the financial voices in college athletics and features important issues impacting the business of college sports. I'm Katie Davis. And I'm Ken Kurtzel. Joining us today is Kim Foresta, CFO of the NC State Wolfpack Club. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Kim joined the Wolfpack Club in 2019 after having spent a significant portion of her career in the nonprofit industry. We oftentimes hear differing opinions around the so-called nonprofit paradox in collegiate athletics and thought Kim's perspective and background could be valuable in demystifying some of the similarities and differences between nonprofits and college sports. Kim, let's start off by discussing a little bit about your background in nonprofits and what ultimately led you to the Wolfpack Club. Okay, um, I have been in the nonprofit world for over 20 plus years, um, did a small run in public accounting, <laughs> uh, decided that was not for me. But you I, must not have been with our firm. <laughs> <laughs> um, made the jump to a religious organization and um, spent about 10 years there and then another small social service nonprofit in the area and then ended up at the food bank, um, which is part of the Feeding America Network prior to joining the Wolfpack Club. Awesome. So, um, Kim, where would you see college athletics benefiting from applying some of the best practices of nonprofits? I think I would see some of the benefits. Um, transparency, mm. I think, is a big one. Um, you know, it's very important um, when I came out of the social service side of nonprofits, um, full disclosure, um, the 990, just having that transparency um, because you are you're the stewardship of those dollars and just making sure that they're going to the appropriate place um, and being accountable for that. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, one thing you'll typically see is social service nonprofits are almost always getting a financial statement audit. Um, So, and that's typically public information or they're making it public and all that. It's very different in collegiate athletics. Obviously, at the the Wolfpack Club, you do have an audit. And uh, so that's the case, but many collegiate athletics organizations don't, departments, you know, they're buried within a bigger university. Mm-hmm. So um, so would you say that when you think about transparency, maybe a little bit more in the social service nonprofit world or definitely. than you see in the collegiate athletics side? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I would agree. I think that um, th- that's certainly an area that, you know, and we kind of advocate for that too, you know, with really trying to encourage organizations to tell their financial story, uh, you know, as opposed to having it told for them. Some of that's lack of transparency. The reporters will kind of make up their own story if if they're not hearing that from the organization. Wouldn't you say well, that's true, Katie? Well, yeah. And I mean, in most cases, not necessarily Wolfpack Club, but, uh, you know, the NCAA financial reporting is not gap financial reporting. And so that leads to a lot of confusion. Um, and then even just the categories that um, you know, really disclose a relationship between campus and athletics um, is confusing and raises a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And because each university handles that a little bit differently, it really skews what revenues or expenses may look like. Um, but as, you know, 501c3 Wolfpack Club, um, you know, does follow some of those same nonprofit, um, you know, financial reporting, what's what's more of the standard um, and gap accounting and all of that. And would you say that that you you feel like that might be beneficial to NC State to having a separate 501c3? Because we see oftentimes the the clubs, you know, the booster club fundraising arm of athletics is really just part of athletics, even if it's branded separately. But would you say there's um, 
you know, benefit to having more transparency by having a 501c3? I think so. Um, you know, we do go through an audit every year, as you mentioned, um, but just having that, having that separate we're considered an associated entity of NC State, but just having that separate set of books, I think, is is a benefit. And then, you know, with us controlling um, the dynamics of that as being part of the larger organization, um, I do think it's a benefit. I would think, too, that um, having, you know, as a separate 501c3, it means you're going to have a separate board of directors. Mm -hmm. um, and a board of directors also brings accountability. And, um, and again, seeing that kind of as a best practice that might follow from the nonprofit world, I would imagine right. many athletic departments and so forth, they may, you know, again, if they're not set up separately, they're not going to have a board of directors. So, um, right. And having the board of directors gives us, um, you know, a great um, group of folks that we can lean on that are you right. know, our donors. I mean, and those are our donors that we, we rely on and go to for a lot of different types of work. It's not necessarily just financial, but their expertise and um, the field of their career and what they work in. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's something we've seen, you know, working in the industry is with schools with all sorts of different organizations uh, set up is that those that do have a 501c3, the, the governance factors ratcheted up quite a bit right. uh, because of that. So, well, uh, yeah, and I mean, I think the financial transparency. Um, with donors because you are engaging those donors as part of your board. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times donors, whether they're part of a board in actual true governance or not, they're still highly influential in college athletics. Mm -hmm. But I would say there's probably an added benefit to them at least having a little more context behind some of the decisions they're trying to help influence um, by being able to have access and being educated on the financial side of things. Absolutely. I agree. So, Kim, we talked about some of the, the best practices that um, the collegiate athletics could borrow from nonprofits. But what are some of the, the biggest differences maybe that you've seen, you know, coming from the nonprofits you worked with to collegiate athletics and that environment? So collegiate athletics is uh, very transactional mm. um, as opposed to. Um, you know, a true philanthropic donation. Um, I will never forget my first football season here. I was working um, in one of the lots and I had a donor yell at me um, because the band was in his parking spot. Um, <laughs> so I, I think- um, And he had bought that parking spot. And so. he had bought that parking spot and he wanted something in return exactly. for it. Uh, so I think, you know, trying to uh, convey the message that we're still trying to a piece, uh, you know, a majority of our piece of our work is putting these student athletes through college with the scholarships. Right. So, you know, and also trying to put a spin on philanthropic giving, even though folks right. that have tickets or seating rights um, that, hey, we, we still need funds to help these student athletes. Um, but I, I think the biggest is just college athletics is very transactional in what they get in return. So, yeah, no, there's. Um, yeah. And it, like you said, it 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 gets lost a lot of times and all of the glitz and glory of, you know, especially the, the high profile sports like, like football and men's basketball, uh, you know, just the, what, what a difference that scholarship makes, you know, to, you know, maybe somebody who's never even going to be a starter on a, a lesser right. sport than mm -hmm. seen by so few, you know, on, in the impact that that has. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the good of college athletics, unfortunately gets kind of swept away sometimes in the narrative about the, the big, glitzy media side of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, on the flip side, what would you say are some similarities? 
yeah, the mission, I mean, like I said, you know, we're here, we're here to fundraise for the scholarships for the student athletes. We do a lot of the, um, we do all of the fundraising for the capital needs that these student athletes work in. We're actually doing a renovation project now where we're building a new nutrition center over in um, the athletic building, which is Wizard Brown. So it's, it's, you know, changing that environment. So I think we're seeing that side of it where, um, you know, it's very similar as a, a food bank, you know, getting food out into the community. We're continuing to enhance the lives of these students. Um, so I think that's definitely a big similarity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe getting a little, um, we'll get a little nerdy for those that are truly into the, the deep accounting side of <laughs> our listeners. Like, uh, you know, I think one thing we've seen too, working with your organization is kind of the transition of your accounting system, even going to a, you know, needing needing the accounting to match uh, a lot of what you see in the nonprofit world, like right. you all implementing BlackBot for that reason, mm -hmm. uh, which is a prominent nonprofit PL no, uh, system. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, you know, again, the the need to track resources, you know, in accordance with donor intent, things of that absolutely. nature. So, mm -hmm. um, which again, kind of, I think you can bring over hopefully from, from your experience. From the, the previous row. Definitely. Yeah. Pledges, tracking pledges and mm -hmm. their intent, their full intent. That's something that we definitely has a similar um, nature to traditional, right. what I would call traditional nonprofit. Yeah. And, and I would say there are a lot of similarities that people may not understand. Um, so a lot of times I see in the media, a comparison of college athletics to nonprofits and the argument of, are they really operating as a nonprofit or are they operating as a business enterprise? And, you know, from our perspective, we work with a lot of nonprofits as well as college athletics and, and there's still a business side of it because mm -hmm. you are, you know, fiscally responsible for the funds that you receive and are spending them responsibly. Um, but I think uh, a lot of the misunderstanding is around the accounting of it. And probably because of that lack of transparency, it seems like, um, you know, really, if you're if your revenue is high, the whole, you know, I think it's looking at nonprofits in a in a negative light, or at least maybe looking at college athletics in a negative light as they're compared to nonprofits, because it's like this urgency to spend all the money mm -hmm. um, if Absolutely. you have it. And and you'll hear maybe probably more in a government or grant-based um, type entity that it's like, oh, if you, if you don't use it, you lose it. And mm -hmm. I would say that's definitely not the case in college athletics, um, but there certainly is a more, more pressure to keep up um, the arms race and the competitive advantage and needing to spend some of the funds and of course costs are rising and all of that. Um, but there is certainly, um, you know, maybe some misunderstanding. And as you talked about pledges and, um, you know, there's some, you know, accounting behind that and that it's, you know, given for a specific purpose mm -hmm. over time. Um, so it's not just necessarily one giant gift up front, although accounting, if you just see part of it, right. um, it may look like mm -hmm. you got a lot of money when maybe you don't really have it all yet. And therefore, because of that, you may have to take on debt if it's a facilities project mm -hmm. and you've got to be able to pay off the debt. And I think the debt piece is always missing. Um, and, and then also probably the endowment piece is missing if it's for an endowment because you don't spend the corpus of the endowment that's meant to stay there forever right. and you just 
spend off some of the earnings um, from that. And so because of that, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. Um, and sure, yes, I mean, everyone I think can agree that a lot of the expenses are very high in some cases, mm -hmm. um, but including scholarships because a college education isn't cheap. And so, um, so I mean, I think that needs to, you know, be considered as well. It's um, not just about salaries and facilities and, and all of that, but the mission is to support the student athletes and, you know, some, an entity like the Wolfpack Club um, has to do a lot of complicated accounting to be able to, um, you know, really have that transparency and um, supporting, you know, the donor's intent behind the money that they're giving. And I think from a from a donor's point of view, you know, if they were to look into our books, you know, we definitely don't want to finish in the red, but, you know, in a perfect world, we would be break even, but we don't want to take donors money and then just let it sit here. I mean, we're expending it right, for, right. you know, for facilities for improvements and for the scholarships, um, definitely. So, um, you know, a, a zero-based budget is is the best, but not always achievable, but um, that's definitely what we try. For. Yeah, no, and that's similar to nonprofits, I think. Mm -hmm. Whether you're fundraising for the NC State Wolfpack Club or you're fundraising for, you know, a, a large social service nonprofit, um, showing the donor the need for right. their money, of mm -hmm. why they need to donate, being able to to tell that story to them and, and express that, that is going to be a similarity really, uh, you know, to other nonprofits is no matter, no matter what the, the purpose is, you've got to be able to tell that story. To them. Do you, just curious, do you have, especially larger donors, do they ever um, really kind of get into the, the financials? Do they, do some of them ask questions about that or um, is it more not. typically of their, you know, I imagine, you know, Ben, your lead lead fundraiser, Ben Broussard, um, you know, and any others that are going out targeting uh, large gifts, of course, they probably are telling the story about a particular capital project or something that that's Definitely. being desired for. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we don't really have donors that get into the weeds on the on the accounting side of things. Our, our donors get a little bit vocal um, when deadlines change and sure structure of how um, seating rights and payments and how that works. That's when our donors tend to get a little vocal. Yeah, and well, certainly too, um, you know, something I've seen, not necessarily at NC State, but just like, you know, in our experience kind of working in the industry, certainly lots of cases where, um, you know, some large gifts that are pledged and so forth, you know, that there could be changes that come along the way between when, you know, once an initiative is announced and then when you're finally getting towards it, you know, whether it's Absolutely. changes in the nature of the actual project or the timing and all mm -hmm. of that, and that can impact that, that gift too. Mm -hmm. I've absolutely seen cases where a donor may be less willing because of some change that occurred after, the, after they've started it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I think, um, you know, from the financial reporting side, another hindrance to fundraising that, um, and I guess this is jumping back to the differences is um, college athletics is so much in the in the media and public spotlight that, you know, if a donor reads in the paper that, um, you know, there was this huge profit and then they're saying, well, but Ben just told me last week that. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's because of the flawed, which, I mean, we talk about this yeah. almost every episode yep. is the flawed financial reporting system and the fact that sure there are spots in the system to put things like athletics related debt and athletics related endowments but but you don't really 
see all of that and it's not really showing you the true picture of the financials. So um, that's certainly, um, you know, something we hear a lot is that it's almost a struggle to fundraise and therefore you might have to put out some additional information to kind of reconcile between, you know, what that report says and then what that's right. we really Get, have. Like you said, getting into the weeds, like the accrual versus cash. Mm-hmm. Like we operate so much internally on a cash basis. And um, when you get your, you know, financial statements in there on an accrual basis, that it's, it's definitely very, very a different, different story. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. very different. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you for joining us today. One of the things Katie and I enjoy um, most about our jobs is getting to visit different cities, uh, enjoying breweries and other fun places as we go. Um, So that's why we call it News and Brews. Um, And we've kind of diversified from just talking about beer to talking about coffee, talking about any other beverages of choice and all of that. So um, now's our time to share on that a little bit. So uh, maybe Kim, what, what do you think you'll be enjoying tonight? I think I'm going to try the Wolfpack Brewery beer. Um, NC State now has a minor in um, microbrewery. So try that. That is very cool. I think uh, I, I was, yeah, you just shared that with us this afternoon. I was very excited to hear that. And um, would love definitely think I'm going to try one myself. Too. And I think it's really interesting when you have um, a beer that's actually produced on campus. We often see and, and encourage uh, schools to collaborate with maybe a community brewery in, inside their town um, to have a branded beer. And it's an option uh, for, you know, an additional branding outreach, revenue generator, but it's even a another win when you're able to do that with, um, you know, a unit on campus. And it's just another way to show the collaboration of the branding of athletics with campus and, and supporting, um, you know, an academic Uh, side of things. So I think that's really cool. Um, So one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that this is our first podcast that we've done in person. Um, So (laughs) part of the brainchild of this uh, was actually before COVID and our intent was to do these in person when we um, came to different campuses and because we always like to visit breweries um, in the different places we go um, and and be able to talk about the brews that we um, get to sample. And uh, so we're excited to be here in person and we're excited to be able to attend a football game this weekend. Um, And I will go ahead and speak for Ken and say he's really excited to come to Raleigh (laughs) because one of his favorite breweries, um, Burial, uh, which is out of Asheville, has a tap room in Raleigh. And we were able to go there last night and sample a few things. And the thing about this brewery, and we've talked about it before, is they have really unusual beer names mm-hmm. um and so the least. <laughs> yes and so um the one i thought was the funniest i didn't think it was my favorite beer it was good but it was called um a collection of idiocy from a top-notch moron <laughs> which <laughs> i think was we bought which, some just to give cans <laughs> out to some of our favorite friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so so I thought that was funny, but the one I actually had um, that I liked the most was called Consequences of Humanity. And it's a double IPA that has um, lactose in it. And so it, and the bartender described it as um, tasting like orange sherbet or creamsicle. And it did, it was right. very good. And especially for an IPA that has, um, you know, generally IPAs are pretty hoppy, but this one, the lactose, anytime that's added, especially when it's added well, it smooths it, it, yeah. it out and it's uh, really good. Yeah, well on that one they did 
ferment it with some orange peels to mm. give that, yeah. that orange flavor yeah. and all of that. So, and then, yeah, just to go off with the fact that they do have crazy names, uh, but their I double IPAs are amazing. I enjoyed uh, the only fact to remain is that I am not for long. A very a lot of them are death focused uh, <laughs> type of names and all of that. Um, and then the other was until there is no longer. So um, again, great double IPAs, uh, lots of good stuff. And yeah, very happy to be on site and be going to a game here this weekend, um, enjoying great beer while we're doing it. Yep. Yeah, well, thank you, Kim, so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Cheers and go pack. To learn more about the James Warren Company Collegiate Athletics and Higher Education segments, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to sign up for Insights to get our latest industry updates, news, and events delivered straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at jmcohighered and on LinkedIn for the latest news as the landscape of collegiate athletics and higher education is continually evolving.